welcome to yet another edition of the Red and Blue Review. Uh, with me, Ian Noble, hosting this evening. Uh, after a thoroughly disappointing away day in North London last Saturday. I'm really not sure why we bother with Spurs away. Uh, before the game, it was seven games that we'd lost on the spin in North London. And, uh, of course, on Saturday, it was an eighth defeat on the trot away to Tottenham. Um, I have people joining me this evening. Um, so here we go. Um, Jill Holyoke is first up. Good evening, Jill. How are you, my friend? I'm all right, mate. Thanks. You all right? I'm very well. Not so bad, thank you. And uh, Mr. Tim Richards, no longer from Down Under, but from somewhere in Kent, I believe. Is that right? For now, yeah. That's right. Hello, everyone. Nice to see you all. Are you well, Tim? Yeah, not bad. Thanks. Not bad. Good, good, good. Um, we also have joining us this evening, Theresa Baker, but I know she's running a little bit late. So we've been messaging each other. And uh, she's just left work. And such is her dedication to the Red and Blue Review. I think Teresa's jumping on in her nurse's uniform or something like that um, this evening, uh, straight from work. Some people have paid good money for that. <laughs> we have lots of people joining us, of course, as usual, in the chat. Uh, Joe, would you mind being in charge of our chat this evening? No. We didn't, we didn't do that. Do on my phone. Oh, you can't do it. Okay, you can't do that. Okay. have to be you, Tim, or me. You know, we'll have to keep an eye on it. Um, we didn't rehearse that bit, but some of our, our usual friends are on board here. So uh, Paul Holden, George, of course, Bruce, lovely to see you, Bruce, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Hope you're okay, mate. Uh, Mark Callahan, uh, Nick's with us online watching, of course, all matron, he says. That's quite amusing. Um, and uh, the usual crowd are with us. So thank you for tuning in, guys. Thank you for watching the Red and Blue, Red and Blue Review. Easy for me to say. And supporting it. And uh, if you if you ever see me at a game, then do come up and say hello if we've not spoken. A couple of people did that on Saturday. And a couple of people did that at Wolves away as well. And it's really heartening to know that people are enjoying the podcast, enjoying the content that we put out there every week on uh, the show. So before we get into the game at Tottenham, um, it's clearly uh, customary on this show to look at other teams. But before we do that tonight, today is an anniversary it's an anniversary of the Homesdale last stand. And I was reminded of this on Twitter this morning. And here we are. This was on the on the 8th of May, 1994. So 29 years ago today. If you were there on that day, tell us in the chat that you were there. This is the Homesdale. You've got John Solarco there, um, who's been on the show, of course, um, who's uh, running around the pitch before the game. And it was just a brilliant occasion. And I can't believe it's 29 years ago today. So uh, if you were there on that day, then do tell us in the chat. Oh, I can't believe you put that up. Oh, my goodness me. Look at me right in the middle there. <laughs> I, did have, I had a replica shirt back in the day. That's with me and my mates, um, Charlie Farley on the right there and Dave Taylor on the left. And we still sit together all this time. Twenty-nine. Oh, is that Charlie? Uh, uh, there we go. Uh, get it off. Get it off. Get it off. Quick. Thank you. <laughs> Blimey, that's dreadful. Oh, and, and right on cue, here's Teresa. Oh, brilliant. You're on mute, Teresa. Hi, oh, no, sorry I'm late. That's all right. And look, we're not disappointed. She's got a nurse's uniform. Am I now? So that's great. Hi, T, how are you? Can you hear literally. us? Yeah, I'm good. Literally come straight from work. You're a star. You're a star. Yeah. That's fantastic. You just missed, missed a picture of me 29 years ago. So, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll send you a private copy of it. So uh, there we go. 
Um, <laughs> really good. So um, it's customary on this show, as I said earlier, to talk about um, the other teams at this football club. And uh, it's been quite a week. Um, the under-18s and the women have finished their seasons, but the under-15s had a brilliant result um, on Thursday, the 4th of May. They beat Arsenal 5-0 in the under-15s Floodlit Cup. And they are the Floodlit Cup South champions. So congratulations to those young lads. Um, the future is bright. The future is red and blue in South London. And then the under-21s have had quite a week of it. Um, first of all, they were playing uh, Liverpool. Um, I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah, they lost at home to Liverpool 1-0 in their last league game um, uh, at the training ground. And then they played at Selhurst Park on the 6th of May, I think it was, um, against Valencia in a competition that's um, the International uh, Premier League International Cup. Uh, this was a semi-final, and there was quite a crowd there. If you were at the game and you're watching this, um, tell us what your thoughts were of this uh, under-21 game. Did we deserve to win it on penalties? Because it was one all um, after extra time. Then we, we beat them 5-3 on penalties, which is fantastic, to put us through to the final. And that final is due to be played on Tuesday the 23rd of May at Sellers Park, uh, a 7 p.m. kickoff. And tickets are available now to buy, I believe. I believe. Now, I'm really sad. That I actually can't make that. I've got a work due on that night, and I've got a bit of stick in the group that we're in about this. Um, but I really can't get out of it. Otherwise, I would definitely be there. Um, but um, congratulations to the lads. And fingers crossed for their game against PSV Eindhoven in that final on the 23rd of May. Mm. So, um, good luck to them. Um, anyone going to that game? You might go, Tim or Teresa. I might go. Yeah, yeah, I might go. Mm. Yeah, I'm going. I'm yeah, going to leave that week, so no excuse not to. No excuses. Well, I look forward to the match summary. Then you could do a summary of that when we uh, we'll come on again and do, do that. Of course, you know, after that game. Right. So to the main event tonight to uh, to North London. As I said at the top of the show, um, we've lost seven on the spin away to Tottenham. Can't quite believe that we lose that many games on the trot. Um, and, of course, I, I actually, I, someone said, I think it was the real panel. I don't know if you're watching uh, all, but um, he, he came out of the ground on um, on Saturday. He said, I've now seen us lose 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 and 4-0 at this stadium. So um, that's uh, just the last four games we've been allowed to be there. And in the meantime, also, we lost 4-1 behind closed doors when Ben Teke got the consolation. Um, T, you were there um, at the game. Um, I know you've got your views on on all kinds of things, which we'll come to um, a bit later on. Um, but I've asked Tim to lead on it. But before we get Tim on to leading about the game, let's have a look at the lineup, please. Uh, Greg, who's producing tonight. Thanks, Greg, for all your work behind the scenes. So, not unsurprisingly, um, Roy Hodgson makes no changes. So it's the same lineup that started against West Ham the previous week. Johnson in goal, a back four of Ward, Gahey, Anderson and Mitchell. Uh, midfield, Decoure in the holding role, uh, Eze and Schlupp, Elise Ayu, and Wilfred Zaha handed the armband, playing wide left. And, um, you know, I don't know about anyone else watching, but I thought, yeah, that's fine. I was very happy with that. At 2pm on Saturday when it came through on the phone that we had an unchanged lineup. We saw the team arrive, actually, from the, uh, the upstairs bit 
of the visiting supporters bit at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And um, it was good to see them arrive. And there was a good feeling pre-match, I thought. Um, T, you were in the ground before we get Tim on. Um, your thoughts on the lineup? Um, I was quite confident with that lineup. I was very happy with it. I couldn't see anything in there that was too um, drastic. It had worked before. I just had no reason to think it wouldn't work again, especially yeah, with the form that Spurs have been on. Indeed. Okay. So we talk about Spurs in a bit as well, because you know we need to talk about the opposition a bit as well. But Tim, um, you're going to lead on the on the game for us, mate. So um, away you go. Tell us tell us the thoughts on how it all unfolded on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Now, first of all, apologise to, to the uh, viewers. You got the um, the poor substitute uh, for your match review today. But so yeah, the game started, and to be fair. I wasn't really looking forward to forward to it too much with Darren Lins as the um, as the ref, Spurs away, top six club, or like they like to think. But the game started, and I thought we were pretty compact. Um, it started off quite knocking the ball around at the back, pretty comfortable. Uh, then the first pro from Spurs came, flick on from Kane to Charleston, good save from Johnson, but an offside decision. Um, so you know, the flag went up, no problems with that. But again, it concerns me how narrow we are um, a lot of the game. A lot of the games we play, we seem to be giving uh, opposition a lot of joy down the wings. And again, that was happening yesterday. Um, but I've got to say, I thought Decore and Schlupp in the centre were pretty good. They were keeping it tight. Decore, I thought, had another great game, helping the defence out. And to be fair, um, Spurs didn't look like anything was going to really worry us at the time. Uh, going forward, I thought Elise and Eze tried. Uh, they were they were trying to affect the game. They were trying to some nice interplay with with Mitchell and Zaha. Um, but again, I don't think Ayu is an out and out striker. Um, I'll go on to that later on. But that's I think the biggest concern is the weakness in our squad. Um, but then as the game went on, first half went on. Um, Schlupp again, same as same as he did against West Ham. Great pressing, nicked the ball off um, Spurs defender, played the ball to Zaha, nice little one-two. Didn't quite get there in time. Unlucky, it was a good effort. Uh, then from the uh, resulting corner, great corner from Elise. Lovely knock back from Anderson. Uh, but unfortunately, not a Palace player close enough. And the Spurs keeper um, got the ball. Uh, so that was the end of that. Um, not long after that, we had another lovely long ball over the top for Eze, who was onside, but it was just too far. He couldn't reach it. But again, it was good playing forward. It was, it was looking good. Then, not too long after that, Spurs had their had their first corner, uh, which came across and a group of players jumped. And I, I must admit, my uh, feet kind of froze a bit, so I didn't actually see who it was. But a group of players appeared to jump for the uh, ball, uh, for the header. Ball crashed against the crossbar. Um, but uh, I don't think Johnson got anywhere near it. So a lucky escape um, for that one. And then not long too long after that, Spurs had another attack. Um, Hoiberg had a ball played through to him, lovely ball. Pathetic effort. I mean, it was way wide, was, you know, and that was it. Um, and then... Tim, sorry, I'm going to stop you there. Um, can I talk about the corner defending? Because that corner... The, the, the ball the ball hit the bar. It was Poro from the left, wasn't it? He was whipped right. it in, and there was a header on it, and it hit the bar. And you're right, Sam Johnson was well beaten. 
So, you know, in the ground tee around you, what were you talking about that? Defending corners, West Ham, we could see three from corners the previous weekend. Well, yeah, I mean, there was nerves around us when we got the corner because we all thought, oh, here we go. Mm. Um, I thought we played okay in the first 15 minutes and then we just signed, it just seemed to, everything just seemed to slow and it took too long to get the balls across and there was too many missed passes, which we haven't been seeing recently. Um, and I think there was a lot of trying to get the ball to Wilf. Okay. Rather than previous games, uh, when Wilf hasn't been playing, the players have kind of tried to be a little bit more creative. Okay, we'll come, we'll come back to that bit if we may. But but the corner defending, Gel, your thoughts on our defending corners after the West Ham game and now that chance that Tottenham had early on, which could have easily been 1-0. I think it's almost set a precedent, really, isn't it, for the last four or five games of the season now that how vulnerable we seem to be from defending corners and it's especially from a flick-on. So um, we seem to be marking... Sort of half an hour, really. I think half of the players are, are zonally marking, and, mm. and the other half are, are trying to mark attacking players, and 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 not really, you know. I mean, and, and some of our players are of of sort of medium height, and most most of the top six eight yeah. sides now they're all very tall, so they're, they're going to have an advantage over over us. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is concerning, but. It is. And, and Pauline Smith in the chat says our defending from corners is terrible. Um, you know, I, I, I've got I'm the chat, sure. by the way, if, if you want me to in, in yeah, a little yeah. while. Yeah, if you can, if you can pick it up, if you can see it. Um, I, I just think that, um, you know, clearly after the West Ham game, you know, and I'm sorry to keep harping back to that. But, you know, given that we conceded three goals from three set pieces in that game, fortunately, we won it. But. Um, surely this week on the training ground, they've got to have been working on that. Um, I should have asked my mate, uh, Paul Kahini, who went there, and Charlie, they, they had a day at the training ground. It wasn't this last week. It was the week before, I think. Um, but um, they, they got to, to watch the training up close and personal. And it would be, it'd be interesting to know uh, how much effort and work they put in uh, this last week in defending quarters. Anyway, uh, the fact remained it was still nil-nil, Tim. Um, fortunately, hit the bar, you know, so we got away with one. Yeah, we did. Um, again, I thought the defending was better, but it's still not perfect. Um, I, I'd like to see Johnson be a bit more dynamic on corners and take a bit more ownership. Um, yeah. But he's young. Again, he's, he's a young player. Hopefully, this is something that will develop. He's big enough. He's tall enough. He should be coming out and just, even if he takes our own players out, he needs to make that and show some some leadership in the penalty area, but hopefully then he'll develop that. But yeah, but then again, as I mentioned earlier on, we were very narrow. And again, that came back to bite us in the backside. Probably the last, well, the last minute of the first half where, again, Spurs were attacking. A uh, ball out wide from Kane uh, to Poro, who was in just acres of space. Uh, great crosser, great ball across. And, and I've seen people giving Joel Ward a hard time, but... If you look at it, he didn't lose Kane. He's marking one of the best headers of the ball in the league, the top scorer. And he was literally an inch from intercepting it or, or from getting a flick on first. It was just a superb cross and a brilliant header. 
I don't think you can blame Ward for that at all. It was a great goal. Where you could blame it is where the midfield weren't tracking back. Poro having so much space, but yes. that's the yes. way it is. And so then it was half time. Yeah, sure. And you know, it's always disappointing to, to lose a goal right on half time. You know, it was in stoppage time. It was the it was it was the it was the last touch of the game, wasn't it? Sorry, the half. Um, by the way, in the chat, someone said young um, for Sam Johnson. He's not young, Tim. He's thirty. I suppose for a goalkeeper, you could oh. be considered young. But he's, he's young for me. Compared yeah, young to me, he's young. So. Everyone's young for you, mate. Um, yeah. Listen, um, I, I thought it was a great ball from Kane out to their right. Um, I think Bruce Muirhead said in the chat earlier, I saw a, a comment go through saying, you know, Mitchell was found wanting a little bit too narrow. Um, you know, how Porro had as much space as he did out on that mm. right wing. The, the, what the space gave him, it gave him the time to almost to stop and look up and pick his, pick his, pick his pass, you know, pick his cross, which held up nicely for Kane to head in. And if you got the delivery right to someone like Harry Kane, you know, we know how good he is. You put the perfect ball in his head, he's going to score. He's going to score. It doesn't matter who's marking him. It happened to be Joel Ward. But you're right. I don't think he did anything terribly wrong. It just didn't quite get the flight of the ball. And it was a great ball in. And, and suddenly we're 1-0 behind. Um, and someone had already ordered me a Guinness at half-time. So I had to dash away. As soon as that goal went in, I was out of there. And uh, in the melee, in the uh, foyer at half-time, trying to find my Guinness. But there we are. Um, T, um, your thoughts on the goal where you were in the ground, um, similar, or would you add anything else to that? Oh, no, I think similar. Um, someone said that, um, you know, it was good to hit the bar. It's one good thing that we got out of the game. It's about the only good thing we got out of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sure going to call out Darren England for his atrocious refereeing, okay, as well. I mean, we'll talk about more at, at the end, but. You think it was a really atrocious referee on Saturday? It's a strong word. Atrocious. I think, yeah, I do. And I actually think um, you knew how the game was going to go. In the first two minutes of the game, the ball was blatantly out of play on a, a Spurs attack. It was blatant. It wasn't just a little bit out. It was well over the line. No, I do remember that incident. And it actually, was played yeah. on. And I do remember that incident with saying, Lionel, put your flag up. Nottingham Forrester, 1-0 up at home to Southampton. Breaking news here on the Red and Blue Review. Thanks, guys, for putting it in the chat because I'm not watching it anywhere else, I promise you. Um, it's been a strange day of results. we come to those things later on when we talk about the relegation battle, which thankfully we are not in. That's so good. Um, yeah, so... Darren England, Darren England is not our favourite referee. That's an understatement for sure. But for me, it just seemed that he gave Tottenham every 50-50. He, he, he just gave them the benefit of the doubt. You know, it was the big club bias again. Um, but when Roy was asked that question after the game, he, he very diplomatically said that there's no way he can comment on whether another referee would have made any different decisions which you would yeah, Roy's a bit more diplomatic than I am, Ian. Yeah, that's why people pay good money to listen to this show. Uh, Jill, did you want to come in, my friend? Yeah, I just, I'll call him out. I just think he's an absolutely crap ref. Uh, he's sticker fancy to the to the top six or eight. Um, I've never seen him give us a, a, a fair whack in any of the games, um, and I, it frustrates me because you know the top six sides they don't need extra help they don't need an extra man they don't need to be let off 
ridiculous tackles. I mean, Emerson on Wilf was just almost rugby-esque in the first half. And but had it been the other way around, I can absolutely assure you that if it was Mitchell that kept grabbing, kicking, kicking the ball away as well after holding on to the ball, and which they did all go. <laughs> It, 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 it's it's just very frustrating how you know the, the sycophancy. Not going to use the word cheating because that could get me in trouble. So, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just he is so poor that for me, you know, that we're talking about billions of pounds here. That maybe one day with the with the with the you know that the impact that AI is going to have on the world is that maybe we can get rid of these absolutely atrociously crap sycophantic referees. And just have a computer, just refereeing it. Honestly, I just I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of having to try and character assassinate someone who's just not very good at their job. I mean, if I was as bad at my job as what he is at his job, right? I would have to just sign on. I won't get any work. But they don't get called out. This is the thing you can. The press can call out players. They can call out managers. They can call out fans, rightly or wrongly. On every set, the only people that do not get called out are referees, and we are literally the victim of. We can go back through our history and pick out games where you just thought there's no. There's literally no point. There is. Yeah. We know there's hardly any point turning up at Spurs anyway. Every time we turn up there, well, no. What we do is we arrive at there and we never turn up. We only ever turned up once a week in a cup. Well, we did win in the cup where Martin Kelly famously scored at, at the lane. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I take issue with you, mate. I think on that one, I think we turned up on Saturday. I think we we weren't what? too bad overall. We lost one nil. All right, we lost. What? We lost one nil. To a team that's been wounded recently by by conceding a last minute winner at Anfield previous week, um, they conceded a two goal advantage at home to Man United the week before that. This is a team full of expensive footballers who are playing in a sixty thousand capacity new stadium, who have aspirations of the Champions League and expect to be in the Champions League positions. So you know, as I think Roy said, you know, I know it, with me it's always half full, red and blue specs and all the rest of it. But I think we're playing a very good team in Tottenham. And I think they, because they were wounded the previous week, I think they worked really hard under Ryan Mason and sorted a few things out themselves internally, which meant it was even harder for us to break them down. But that's I, my I, view. That's my I, view. Respect, I respectfully disagree and say that if we'd have turned up, if we'd have turned up with any kind of intensity, uh, intensity for that game, then we would have won that game. I, I just... Okay. We had, we had three or four players that just would look like they were just no, not three or four, one or two. But you can't have that when you're playing away. The, the intensity wasn't there for me for for, for at least two of the players. Okay, right. So I'm going to come to Teresa and then back to you, Tim. Do the second half to T. I think that it's very difficult for players to maintain any kind of intensity when they're being fouled left, right, and centre, and the other team aren't getting punished for it. I mean, what's the incentive? There isn't any. Yeah, but, but but when they look, this is the other thing as well. Watch Harry Kane. I don't want to have a go at Kane. He's he's the England centre forward, and I want that guy to do well. But I'm telling you now, he was sussed out, and he doesn't do it anymore because he was called out publicly for when he backs into players. And they said if he carried on doing it, eventually he would break the back of a centre back by the way that he was arching in and lifting players up and getting and in, and in, getting free kicks, but injuring the other players. Right, he has got screaming to an absolute art. You would think that it was murders that we had someone in the crowd shooting their players. They are terrible. 
Emerson, yeah. their right back is dreadful. Kane, dreadful. Some of it, some of them, literally, honestly, if you walk, if they, if you walk past the TV and touched it, some of their players would have fell over. It, it's shocking, really shocking. We, we, we've actually got a graphic. We've got a graphic, haven't we? Um, Greg, Did you look Michael Elise. Let's just have a quick look at that if we can. So look at this. You know, it's not one player fouling Elise here. It's two. It took two of them to foul him here. Uh, did, did anyone else get the impression? Did, did anyone go. get the impression at all through the game that Spurs were literally time wasting? Yeah, we'll come back to we'll come on to that towards the end of the second half, Joe, for sure, okay. because they definitely time waste. Uh, type were time wasting, and it was similar to when we were playing Man United away when they had a one goal advantage. You know, they couldn't do enough to wind the clock down. Um, but Tim, let's come back to you. Do the second half. Um, and, and the key moments of, of that period, if we can, please. Yeah, this, for me, the second half didn't didn't really take off like that. I, I was hoping for a bit more. But again, if, if you look at the, the whole game, we were definitely worth a point at least. Um, I thought we started better on the second half, matching Spurs all the way. Um, they had a couple of efforts. Poro had a, had a good shot that was tipped over by Johnson. Yeah. expect him to make that save, but he still made the save. Um, and then Spurs had another a long ball through the middle. Son got through. He was on side. Um, you know, you'd have put your you bet your mortgage that he was going to score. But Johnson, brilliant save, world class save um, from Johnson to deny him. And that good, was really good moment, Spurs. wasn't it? Good yeah. moment, I thought, in the game. You know, um, yeah, because it was a great ball by their centre back over the top. Yeah, and and Son did very very well. You know, it's almost like you know the vintage Son rolling back the years. You know, going around the keeper, but but Sam Johnson, what a what a top top piece of goalkeeping that was. But then we had chances as well. I mean, Zaha close um, with that little flick. Um, we had another long cross across uh, ball across, and Anderson um, knocked the ball right across the six yard line. No one there to knock it in. Um, so we definitely had our moments. A couple of substitutions with Schlupp um, going off for Hughes, or Hughes coming on for Schlupp, um, and uh, I think the other one, Edouard for Ayu. Um, we had five five of our players were booked, three of Spurs. And going back to what you were saying earlier on about Darren England, now in New Zealand we don't you don't get the football coverage anywhere near like you get here. So I watched yeah. games, I did hear comments about the refereeing standard and the top six bias. I go, well, maybe there's something to it, but it's difficult to tell. But since I've been back, I am just, I can't believe how poor the refereeing has got and how there is an undoubted bias towards six, uh, the top, or the, the supposed top six clubs. Every week you see it. And I'm just disgusted with the media that don't have the guts to call it out and actually talk about it. Not only that, but it, it, it's, I'm sick and tired of hearing about how we need to give ref, you know, referees um, should be respected, which I agree with. But how about some respect for fans who pay money to go and watch these games? And you see refs, awful referees, completely incompetent, if not biased performances. And linesmen, the number of linesmen that you watch that are pointless them being there, they do nothing at all. Really obvious stuff. It, it kind of winds me up, but... Watching that game yesterday, Spurs were awful. I mean, they were lucky to get a point. They were holding on, basically, for most of that second half. Yep. Time-wasting. Now, I feel a bit hypocritical talking about them time-wasting because and diving because 
I'm afraid to say it, Teresa, but are you? You look at the number of free kicks he wins us where he's fouled, where he isn't really fouled. But it's down to the referee to spot it and to hold him up and to play longer. Where were our nine minutes of extra time yesterday with all the time wasted? It didn't happen. And there's no way we should have had five bookings in Spurs three. Um, but overall, I, I've got to say, yeah, we lost 1-0, but we deserved a point. Where I get concerned is, again, not playing one of our two supposed recognised strikers. Now, IU's done really well for us this year. I'm not going to say he isn't. But something's not right there. You've got your two main strikers and none of them get any... You know, Edward had a few minutes at the end. Yeah, he came, think, he came on at 84 minutes, yeah, Edward came on for uh, six IU. Six minutes. I mean, that's okay. not... That's so here's, here's the thing, then. Yeah. If you were Roy Hodgson, uh, T, you are in the ground, would you have made any changes earlier? And what do you think of the, you know, losing 1-0, 74 minutes, we bring on Hughes, who's primarily a defensive midfielder, for Schlupp, who's far more offensive. Um, so what do you think of the substitutions? Theresa first. Who would you? Who else would you put on? Schlupp's legs. Yeah, I mean, he'd run a lot um, during the first time, first and second half. Who else would you have put on? McCarthy? Well, you've got, you've got Mateta, for a start. Um, right, you've got, you've got um, Lukonga. Um, you've got who else? I did write write down the other subs, and I've lost it on my my notes here. Um, but yeah, the Conga was on the bench. He didn't get a look in, did he? And no. um, yeah, he's probably the only other one that that could have been brought on instead. Here we are. We've got there's the um, other subs. So Hughes came on. So Mateta didn't get on the pitch. Richards was the other one. I thought you know that again. You know you might have given him minutes in the midfield. I don't know. He's obviously a defensive type player. But you know my point. I'm trying to make here is that. We're losing the game. We'll bring on a defensive, more defensive player than an offensive player, you know. Um, I would probably have bought on one of the younger players. Well, it's not like the crowd were that intimidating, was it? Well, definitely not. Um, so, it's a soulless, sterile bowl of a, a ground, it really mm, is. Yeah, I knew No one's say that, saying they pipe the songs in posts. through the speakers. Yeah. Uh, I, would have, I would have probably bought on the younger players, let them get on. They're not going to be intimidated by the ground. Give well, them a so, go. So, Edward comes on on 84 minutes. Would you have brought him on earlier, Tim? Definitely. Um, I I think he's, he's done well this year, but he wasn't in the game really at all. And like you said, we're losing. Well, you might as well lose 3-0 and 1-0. Have a go. Bring on um, bring on uh, Lukonga for Schlopp if you want to make a change there. Yeah. Uh, that seems perfectly reasonable. Um, Decore was doing a great job there, as they would have been great. And like bring on um, Mateta or um, Edward on 70 minutes. Give them some time to affect the game. Yeah. Again, I think I think somebody made the comment back to old Roy. And, yeah, um, maybe it is. Maybe it is Roy. You know, this is why I say I don't want him to be our manager next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, come to you in a minute, Joe. Um, Fergus. Um, Fergus watching from Ireland, I believe. He says uh, uh, we need to play Raksaki and uh, Killian Phillips uh, for the last three games of the season. Now their loans are over. And we're going to come to those guys a little bit later on in the show. Jill, is that what you wanted to say? Well, you asked me to sort of chat that, so yeah. <laughs> Great minds, my friend. Great minds. Great minds. I would have um, taken Wilf off. You would have taken Wilf off? So, yeah. so, so would I. So no, would I. guys. I would no, 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 Halfway through the second half, yeah, no, 70 no, no. minutes for me, he would have gone on 70. 
Did yeah. you see one thing we haven't spoken about, Tim? You didn't talk about this in the in the second half. Did you see the through ball from Gay down the left to Wilf, where he put Eze in on goal? He had four players round him, and he won the ball. He took the ball right up the pitch, managed to cross the ball for Eze into the middle of the, in the penalty area. I think he was aiming for Elise, but Eze he caught up, and Eze got the ball, and he dragged his shot wide. It was well wide. It was a poor effort on goal in the end, but Wilf did absolutely brilliant on that occasion. He did. I mean, he definitely had sparks of brilliance, but he wasn't his usual consistent Okay, and self, the other thing and he did, he'd lost his speed. And the, was he's lost, yes, he's lost his speed a while ago. We, we know that, T. But And the other moment he had when Elise crossed the ball, I don't know if you said this, Tim, forgive me for mentioning it again, and he just had a touch in the box and he just touched it and it, it went marginally over the bar. It was close to being in the top corner. So those two moments for me were enough to keep Wilf on the pitch for sure. Tim? I, I'm going to be really boring and sit on the fence between you guys here because... <laughs> I thought Wilf did have some great touches yesterday, but my concern with Wilf is it seems that whenever he's in the team, it's like, I think it's been said before, everything has, seems to have to go through him. And I just thought we were more dynamic when Wilf wasn't playing because it seemed to free up Eze and Elise to be able to express themselves more. And I just fear with Wilf, yes, he has moments of brilliance in some games, but I don't think he does enough consistently to offset the improvement that we've had. I mean, look, you know, Roy comes in, Wilf gets injured. Look how well we play with it without him. So I, I'm sort of like definitely on the on the point of, well, I think Teresa's got a point. I, I, I think because it would show the other players that we've that our management have got confidence in that they don't need Wilf. You know, and, and well, I, 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 I agree with Teresa. Well, that's what's well. You you gone from sitting on the fence to, to agree with Teresa, so that that's yeah. okay. I'd far rather you get off your fence and take the splinter out your bum. But there we are. Um, listen, that's what's great about this game, isn't it? We see things slightly differently. It's subjective, and uh, we can talk about it, and we can agree to differ sometimes on the red and blue review for sure. Um, what and I think the best moment, which you did mention, Tim, during the game, was when um, Elise put a free kick in, and Anderson um, was able to to knock it across the six-yard box. And that was screaming for a recognised striker, a fox in the box, just to put a foot out and put it in the goal, wasn't it? It was a marvellous opportunity. And who was there to clear it for Tottenham? Bloody Harry Kane, unfortunately. You know, he was there defending his own six-yard box. So fair play to him, uh, if you like. Um, so, um, yeah, we lost 1-0. Um, and that was the end of the game. Let's have a quick look at the stats, if we can, please, Greg. Um, match stats. Do you want to talk us through these, Tim? Um, well, it's, uh, stats really don't do it much for me. Yeah, possession 57, 48, but was it 40, 43, obviously. Um, but, you know, shots 8 to 7, shots on target 3 to 2, corners 8 to 4, fouls 15 to 14, but we had five players booked. I mean, possession, <laughs> yeah, all well and good, but if you can't score goals... I'm not that fussed by those kind of stats. I mean, I thought we played well, to be fair. And I thought Spurs were definitely holding on towards the end. Um, disappointed not to get a point, actually. Very disappointed. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, don't, I think it was disappointing not to get a point. I think our play overall deserved something out of the game, um, which is why I don't think we were actually on the beach. I don't think we had our flip-flops on. Um, 
Uh, I don't think that, um, you know, we were as bad as uh, we have been at other away games this season that I've been to. I thought we did okay. Um, I just think we didn't have the rub of the green. We talked about the referee already. Uh, and frankly, it was one of those days which was, you know, it just wasn't going to go for us. Um, no. Up against a decent side. Okay. Um, so, thank you for that, Greg. Um, sit gel. I couldn't see you earlier. You No, up. I know. I'm just... <laughs> My point about about um, us not playing well was was not that we didn't play well. We lacked intensity, and that is what could have won us the game, or it could have at least got us, a, 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 give us more of an edge. And the, and, and what we did, see what we didn't do right is turn the crowd on them. As soon as the crowd gets turned, you silence them just with possession. And, and, and that's the first time I bet we've gone to, to whatever their stadium's called and, and had 43% possession because usually we just surrender possession um, and, and, and just play it like a training game. But yeah, my thing is, is that we know that we have at least they can run at players, Wilf can run at players, Eze can run at players. You know, we've got players that can run and, and that did not really didn't happen as much as what it could have or should have. And, and as many people have said, I'm looking through the through the comments, and there's a, a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of mixed reviews about Wilf, you know, the, the, the mm. two, one, two, three, four things that he does during a game, but a game's 95 minutes, yeah. you know, yeah. you can have the greatest game ever, mm. but if it doesn't affect the result, it, it, then it, it's a results-based business. So, um, and, and the other thing is Paul Bristow's answered Fergus's uh, uh, question in the chat and said, now that the championship is finished, um, can we have our players back? They bring the kids in, but he said that the that the players that have been out on loan, their contracts finish after the playoff final finishes, so we won't be able to get those the youngsters that we've got out on loan that seem to be on a little bit of fire at the moment. Um, especially, geez, um, we won't be able to get until next season. But yeah, uh, it's exciting times though for those young players. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that, Jill. Thanks for clarifying that, and thanks, Paul Bristow for that um, clarification in the comments. So the game finishes um, a 1-0 defeat away at Tottenham, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, they could have thought of a more innovative name than that. Even the new hub, White Hart Lane, would have been better than that. Um, but we lose 1-0. Um, and, um, of course, that was on the pitch. But off the pitch, uh, there was something we do need to touch on, which was um, a very sad moment if you support Crystal Palace. But on 89 minutes, um, Son gets replaced. Now, one of the few occasions where the referee actually saves a bit of time for us, he asks Son to leave the pitch at the far side in front of the Palace fans, and he has to walk all the way around the pitch uh, to get to the dugouts uh, on this substitution. And, um, you know, the, the Palace fans, you know, a bit of the typical banter, um, they shout is something like um, flanker or tanker or something like that, and it was quite loud, and you heard that as he was walking past. But there's one thing, and it's gone viral on social media, and we have no place for this in our football club, uh, the racial abuse towards him um, because of his uh, ethnic origin. And there was one Crystal Palace fan that was cool. I won't repeat what he did because we probably all know. Uh, it was really embarrassing. Um, nothing, uh, no place for this in our football club whatsoever. Uh, and I would have thought that given the amount of uh, the, the footage that's gone viral on social media about this, uh, and they can pinpoint exactly who this guy is, what he looks like, where he's sitting. That that guy is going to get it coming to him, and probably is facing a lengthy ban from football because of his actions. And he's probably more sorry that he's been caught 
than for what he actually did. So, um, I, you know, someone saying in the chat, it wasn't just one. There was one guy in particular um, that I can think of. If there were others, then that's even, even worse, obviously. Um, but um, I just wanted to, to mention that on the show. We're not going to duck these issues. It is embarrassing, and the club do need to deal with this uh, with the authorities, uh, and there needs to be a ban for this individual. So let us move on, if we can, um, to the next part of the show. Um, Tarek Mitchell, um, 100 games for Crystal Palace. Um, congratulations to him. It doesn't seem possible, does it, that this lad has played 100 uh, games for Palace? Um, we haven't rehearsed this bit, but your favourite Tarek Mitchell moment? Anyone on the panel want to dip in with this, Joe? I was sitting 25 yards away from him when he pulled an England shirt on and played. Brilliant. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Do you think he'll be capped by England again? He's got the single cap, hasn't he? So do you think he'll be capped again? And if he goes to Man United. <laughs> so he stays at Crystal Palace uh, for the next three seasons. Another England cap? I think we have one player that plays for England. If he decides that he actually wants to play for England, well, that'll be Eze. And he might not even get that in a Palace shirt. It'll be when he plays for uh, whoever, he, whoever his next club is. All right. So your favourite um, moment was uh, the England appearance. What about T or, yeah. or Tim? Any thoughts about Tarek Mitchell? Favourite moment? Hundred games. I've I've got to say I where I most remember seeing him in a game was I think it was his first game uh, when we played Liverpool and he was marking Mo Salah and of course Mo Salah world class. And even as Sky commentators were saying, Mitchell played him off the park. Zaha did nothing in the game. And I thought, that's when I thought, there's some quality there. If you can do that at your age, with that limited experience at the time, can keep a player like Salah quiet, then, mm. yeah, we've got something special there, I thought. Yeah, certainly. I remember the, the, the home game with Brighton uh, behind closed doors when he squared up to Lamptey. I thought that was really funny, that moment. Um, that, 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 that picture was very popular. Um, in the chat, um, we have, um, I saw a comment going through there about Mitchell and um, someone says, I think Mitchell's a liability too much. Okay, so not not a fan there. Um, Mitchell has never overexcited me, someone else says. Uh, Brett Kemp says he's got the Ashley Cole about him, um, just needs to get more confident. So um, if, he, if he turns out half as good as Ashley Cole, um, that'll be great. But I thought it was worth marking on the show. 100 games for Crystal Palace. Well done, Tyrant Mitchell. Really good. Um, apparently, we have a penalty to Nottingham Forest. It's 2-1 at the moment. And uh, they have a penalty up in the Premier League game that's being played tonight live while we're on air for the Red and Blue Review. Um, so we are mathematically safe, guys, after that. Yay. We cannot go down this season, no matter what happens to any other result or any of our games that's worth celebrating. Raise a glass. We are mathematically safe for an 11th season in the Premier League. And do you know what? If someone had said that to me on that May day in 2013 at Wembley, that we'd be 10 seasons clear, then you would have bitten their hand off, wouldn't you? Absolutely bitten their hand off. So, uh, so it's a great achievement from everybody involved at the club. Um, so I just want to talk also, Jill. Before I talk about anything else, just quickly, I know you just said 10 seasons in the Premier League, Joel Ward, 11 seasons with us. Um, I, I really, really hope that, you know, no, no matter what happens um, going forward, that he is afforded a testimonial because yeah. there aren't many players that we've that we've had that have spent, you know, in the last 
in my life, in, in my time watching Palace in you know the forty odd years that, that a player has, has has played and consistently just been, you know, he's, I mean, apart from Wilf, he's almost Mr. Crystal Palace. He is. For me. He is. And I, I, you know, I thought last season we might have offered him, uh, offered him a testimony after ten seasons. Oh. Um, he is a legend um, for sure. Um, I also heard, and it is only a rumour, that he's turned one down. So I don't know whether there's any truth in that at all. Um, but it, and I think it's probably going to be more like pre-season and post-season, like Speroni's was. Um, so you know, if we can, if we can organise a, a home pre-season friendly against Portsmouth next season and make that his testimony, I think that would be very, very fitting. Uh, Maybe he's waiting for us to come up with a song for him. Yeah, <laughs> Teresa, I'm sure you can come up with one, can't you? <laughs> no, don't worry. <laughs> okay. Um, so oh, we've so, got yeah, some for everyone else apart from poor Joel Ward, haven't we? Yeah, we, you're, you're right. You're right, of course. I also want to talk about the centre-backs tonight. So we've got a graphic here of the two centre-backs. So there's the pairing, Mark Gahey, Joachim Addison. They've been brilliant all season as well, haven't they? So, you know, we talked about our whole back four now, um, the first-choice back four. Um, Gahey, someone was saying it was a, an audition for him at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Um, Spurs interested in buying him. If he was to go to somewhere like Tottenham, how much money do you think we should um, sell him for? Obviously, I hope he goes nowhere. I hope he stays and they stay together. But if he was to go, what kind of bid would be reasonable, do you think? Gel. Uh, more, more than they can afford. I mean, they generally only waste money on people like Richarlison, um, who, who really has added no intrinsic uh, talent to their squad. Mm. So um I can't see I can't see them wanting to give him I don't know, hundred and fifty thousand quid a week and seventy million quid. Because mm. it could because again he's he's worth to us, you know, like, like like we priced the rest of the Premier League away from Wilf, you know, when it was right that he was going to leave and we wanted 70, 75 million pounds, whether irrespective of whether the the, the opposing fans what thought he was worth. That's what he was worth to us at the time. Um, so you know, it's what it's what Gay's worth to us at the moment. As Anderson, you know, if we do lose one, we have got Richards to come in, but it would need to be for for money that's going to change change the club. The, the, on the other side of it, the flip side of it, I know we were talking pre-show and we said, you know, the Brighton have been doing it and they're about to do it. The same thing with McAllister to Liverpool in a close season. Yeah. Um, and, and, and and that's why they've got so much money wrapped around them. But but the thing is, we've got 150 million quid to find for a stand soon. You know, and you know, so, so we are going to have to invest in that and if it's going to cost us a player, then then it, it might as well be for the proper money. And, and Premier League to Premier League are always outrageously over uh, overinflated prices. So as much as what we can get. Uh, the feeling in the chat is 80 million plus. Several of you have said 80 million plus. <clears throat> Daniel Garlick, 95 million. Probably one of the highest billion pounds, Paul Holden. Don't be silly. Um, so, yeah, um, a lot of money, basically. <clears throat> Anderson also, I think, is equally valuable. I won't ask the same question about him, but... Um, he was interviewed after the game at Tottenham and his comment was, I wrote it down as well. He actually said, oh, we were the better team, should have won, basically, uh, was his view after the uh, after the Spurs game. We were the better side, says Joachim Anderson. 
Right. I'm going to move on now because uh, we're running out of time. We've got a few other things still to cover and look at the loan watch this weekend. So it's the final weekend of the uh, English Football League. Um, and we've already talked about Jezrak Saki. Um, he played for 88 minutes for Charlton in a 2-2 draw at Cheltenham Town. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Well, not even mighty, really. But imagine playing Cheltenham Town in a league game. Um, so Jezrag Saki, he won the Charlton's Men's Player of the Year. Uh, and I don't know why that's up there twice. Players, um, he won the players, he won the players player of the year, and he won the supporters player of the year. Brilliant. That's why it's there twice. Is, so he's won has he won three trophies or not, or just the two? Anyway, well, he won whatever you can win in the club for being the best yeah. player from the, your own players and from the fans. Brilliant. Well done, Jez. And, you know, we talked last week on the show about which of these players are likely to come back into our squad. And I think Raksaki is definitely one that needs to. Remy Matthews uh, played for St. Johnson and 1-0 win against Dundee. Rob Street, he started for Shrewsbury. Um, and played most of the game. Killian Phillips played the full 19 and 1 0 away defeat to Lincoln. Luke Plange was an unused substitute. I think players like that, I can't see them ever getting anywhere at Crystal Palace. They can't, in the, can't get in the Lincoln team. Um, <clears throat> Jake O'Brien played the full game for RWD. Molenbeek scored in that game. Uh, Butler was on the, sub for, on the bench for Man United. Uh, Malachi Boatang, he played 90 minutes at Queen's Park. Uh, and Malcolm Bowie uh, was not in the matchday squad for Hull. Scott Banks, um, another award uh, for one of our low knees. Bradford City's young player of the season. He played 75 minutes in a one-all home draw for Bradford against the champions Lake Norian. Uh, and they have made the playoffs. So well played, Scott Banks. So there's a, a roundup of the loan players. And uh, I think we said last week, you know, Raksaki, possibly Scott Banks, possibly Killian Phillips. You know, they've got to be in and around the squad pre-season. And then if they work well pre-season, you can <clears> see them, you know, a manager likes to look at them, it fits them in, then they might have a chance to uh, to uh, get somewhere near our match day squad, Gel. I think they're going to have to bring them in because of the amount of players that are more likely going out. Um, so f- for me, I think, I, I think what... They need to be involved anyway, and the squad that we'll end up taking to Australia, America, Asia, or wherever our pre-season will be. Where is it this year, next season? Does anyone know? No, it's not been announced. It's not yet. been announced yet. I, I, I heard things it was America, but but anyway, um, they, they'd have to be involved just purely because of the squad sizes. Yeah. Um, now that the WEF have, uh, have officially announced while the coronation was going on, I don't know if anyone spotted the ticker tape going across the bottom, that COVID is now officially ended as <laughs> a, uh, so, so it doesn't, so that, so America, that's why last week America turned around and went, yeah, you can all start coming back in instead of only people that have been vaccinated. Um, so okay. hopefully we can, we can take a full squad to wherever we go um, on holiday pre-season this time, instead of having half of them stuck here and half of them, Sunning yeah. it in somewhere sunny. That was uh, a, a mitigated disaster pre-season, wasn't it? This last season just gone. Teresa, you wanted to come in. T, hello, can you hear me? She can't hear me. She's frozen. Oh, Tim, then. Yeah, I was just going to say, things. I don't think we're going to have any choice but to bring those loan players through, considering how many players we've got out of contract at the end of the season. 
how little money we've got to invest in players, I, I don't think we're going to have any choice but to do it. And we're going to have to have the right manager that will know how to bring those youngsters through and give them a chance as well. It, there's multi-points going on in this that, that has got to be discussed. Yeah. yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. So apparently Forrester 3-1 up against Southampton in the Premier League. So that brings us nicely, uh, segues nicely into who's going to get relegated. <clears throat> there's the bottom five. It's from those five. It's three from those. It really does look like Southampton have gone. So out of those other four, who's going down, Jell Holio? Um, I mean, no one would really want to see dirty leads go down, would they? Do you know what? I, I have a feeling. I, I, I've got a question for you. I, I, I don't mind Nottingham Forest, to be honest with you. And I don't also mind Leicester City. So I'm going to really get some hate for this, but I don't care if Everton go. I think they've been due... But they've, they've escaped too many times for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, my preferred three would be Southampton, Leeds and, and Everson. Um, and if it, if, it, if it meant us not turning up last game against Forest. That's, that could be interesting. Uh, Tim, your thoughts? Well, if Forest do win today, then they go on to 33 points, don't they? So yeah, that's, gonna that's be... a live table, that. So you're looking at that, I think. I think that's a live table. Just, oh, they've played a game less. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's all. Because uh, if you look, Forrest... No, and South sorry, Hampton, I'm going to interrupt you. That's not a live table. That was pre-show. Forrest are now yes. on 33 points. Yeah. So I would love to see Southampton, Leeds and Everton go down. Those, those would be the three I would love to see go down. OK, OK. Everton, obviously, had that victory today... <clears throat> We won't least said about that the better, really. Although it's quite nice to see Brighton get bashed. But they've got Man City up next. Obviously, they're not going to win, get anything out of that, I don't think. Even though it's between the two Champions League semi-finals. Um, and then they get, go to Wolves. They've got Bournemouth at home on the final day. I think Everton might just have enough, you know. Um, I don't really want to see them stay up. And it's Leicester, after their defeat of Fulham today, that look like they're in free fall. Um, and um, it could well be Leicester and Leeds. I think Leeds will go down uh, for sure with Southampton. So interesting. So, you know, that's the, that's the bottom of the Premier League. But what about the top of the Championship? So we had the final day in the Championship today. And let's all laugh at Millwall together. No, I'm not. I'll, I'll live in, <laughs> I live near Millwall. Well, sort of, there's a lot of Millwall around here, so I ain't laughing just in case. Get <laughs> me windows bricked. <laughs> OK. So apart from gel, let's all laugh at Millwall. I, I was in a pub this afternoon. And I was watching it, and it was one all when I started watching it. And then they scored two goals, and Blackburn's defending was shocking. It was awful. And it, well, they went in 3-1 up at half-time. I left the pub, I came home. By the time I got home, they lost the game 4-3, which was really funny. Um, and it was Sunderland that won today in the playoffs, in, or won today in their final league game away at Preston. First season back in the Championship after about four years in League One. Uh, they sneak into the playoffs to play Luton Town in their semi-final, and it's Borough against a rejuvenated Coventry City in the um, in the other playoff. So who out of those four teams do you think, guys, are going to win the playoffs to join Burnley and Sheffield United in the Premier League next season? Tim, first. I hope it's Luton because it's a closer away game. Yeah. 
<laughs> Can you imagine though, Luton, that ground in the Premier League at the oh. moment? Oh my life. Gel, what about you? Uh I hope it's Sunderland. I I genuinely believe that they are that they are a big club, you know, and back to back promotions. Um Mm. I, I, that, that's all I, I, I one a really really good friend of mine Alex Smiles he's a Sunderland fan and uh, yeah, yeah I know he's excited for it yeah I, I think they've got a capacity of 42,000 um, you know I remember the playoff semi when we beat them when we went on penalties up there yeah I remember the Premier League game when um, was it Balassi got a hat-trick um, in that game that was unbelievable what a hat-trick that was what a game that was as well brilliant yeah. So we've got some great games, great history against Sunderland. Coventry City, of course, you know, they've been in the doldrums for a long, long time. Um, but when I was growing up watching football in the 70s, you know, they were a top flight club and always were until about the early 90s when they got relegated. They've never been back since. So, well, they always had a, a, a Jimmy Hill, wasn't he? Jimmy Hill yeah, in Coventry City. Their most yeah. famous uh, son, I think. Yeah, for sure. John Sillick, the, uh, their manager who managed them in the cup final. Our friend Nigel's watching the show. Hi, Nigel. He says he's heard that Luton might play their games MK Dons next season if they go up. That would be really interesting because it's a stadium I've not been to. Is that so, a plastic um, pitch? MK no, it's Dons. Not no, it's not. No, no I don't know. I'm just asking. And Paul Bristow says the same. He said Luton are likely to play at Stadium MK next season if they're promoted. So, uh, yeah, that would be good, actually, because you know I've not been there. That would be a new ground. Tick it off. So let's hope it's Luton, guys. So here we go. Look at this. <laughs> we didn't rehearse this bit. Pathet, Palace mathematically safe. Mill surrender a 3-1 lead and miss out the playoffs. And Brighton beaten 5-1 at home by Everton. What <laughs> a day it's been. Fantastic. Fantastic. Vince McMahon. <laughs> I, I don't know where Teresa's gone. She joined us a little bit late because she was coming straight from work. And then suddenly she, she froze. And then she's Well, it was a good effort from her anyway to turn up in her, it was a great in her work gear, which satisfied some of the comments. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can only say that because she's not here. But there we go. <laughs> so there are our next three games. We have three games left in the Premier League this season. Uh, next Saturday, we're at home to Bournemouth. It's a three o'clock kick up at Sellers Park. Let's hope we can get back to winning ways. And then the following Saturday, we're away to Fulham um, in, in the, in the, at the cottage. Um, we have a Grant Saunders boat trip beforehand that many of us are looking forward to, um, to make the last away day of the season truly memorable. And then on the last day of the season, it's a 4.30 kickoff on Sunday, the 28th of May, when Nottingham Forest are the visitors to Sellers Park. And they could well need points still to stay in the Premier League. Uh, which will be um, uh, put a put a, an edge on the game anyway, make it interesting for everybody. Um, I can't see us rolling over, but um, it will be a, an interesting game if they need points. In your chat, you're saying uh, nine points, Daniel Garlic. Um, Nigel says six, six to nine. We're going to win all three. So let me come to you, Gel. First of all, first just the the prediction for Bournemouth at home. Then let's do that. If we uh, win. Uh, win. Two nil. Two nil. Two nil. And Tim? One one. You go for a draw, are you? Okay. I'll go for a, a two one home win against Bournemouth this coming Saturday. And uh let's hope uh, it's a it's a great occasion and we get back to winning ways. Um so I just want to give a shout out to um oh, we haven't got time for that. We're but here we go. Here our next permanent crystal manager. 
Crystal Palace manager odds. <clears throat> I think we're going to have to pass on this and come back to this next season. Do you know what? There's no one really on that list that excites me at all. Um, so um, we'll come back to that next time. Uh, Darren England going to be our ref for the last three games. Neil Poir, says Fergus. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, big shout out to Tom Clark Samuel, who does our uh, Instagram. And Tom says that during the close season, there will be Crystal Palace related quizzes on the Instagram page to keep us all entertained. Um, I'm going to finish the show in a minute on uh, a couple of pieces of news for Red and Blue family. <coughs> Some of you might be wondering why Nick Philpot is not with us this evening. Um, very sadly, earlier this week, uh, Nick lost his father. Um, and so our, our condolences, Nick, are with you and your family at this sad time for you. Uh, we wish you well. And uh, may your father rest in peace. And that's all right, Cody Sid. Whole of the red and blue family um, for you, Nick, this evening. And I'm sure you'll be back with us real soon. And also, on a happier note, it is our, our dear Lucy's birthday today. So this is the reason Lucy's not with us. She hasn't been on the show for a little while. But um, we, she sort of was invited on. And she said, it's my birthday. I can't come because it's my birthday. So happy birthday, Lucy. We hope you're having a great day, darling. And um, wish you well for today. So it's only showing day. half the candles. It's only yes. showing half the candles there. Only half the candles, yeah. Joe, final word to you, my friend. Just just really quickly, um, I've been away for a little bit. I know it was mentioned, I think, but I just want to thank the people that contacted me personally. I had a, a heart operation a couple of weeks ago, um, still recovering, but doing much, much better. Thank you very much. So just a thank you to everyone that wished me well and sent me messages. Um, I really appreciate it. And I know that, you know, some of you guys have, have been able to send me messages back because anytime anyone's ill, I always like to to uh, to send to just to tell people to try and keep their chin up. And it's much the same as what people have now returned those messages to me. And uh, and and the, like we already just said, chin up, Nick. Um, it's what he would have, want, you know, where, when he went, it's what he would have wanted. Yeah. He knows what I mean. Thank you, Jell. Um, good to have you back with us, mate, this evening. And there's a lot of love for you in the chat there, Nick. So uh, all the best to you, mate. And I um, hope to see you back with us real soon. So from me, Ian Noble, uh, thank you very much for joining us, everyone, tonight. Good evening and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank you.